Buju Ginoa. This is Charles Smith. I'm Ojibwe from the Fond du Lac Reservation, and you're listening to the Middle of the Res Road podcast. Buju Anishinaabe Doug. This is Joel Boje. I'm an Ojibwe from the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Indians. This is in collaboration with the Minnesota Tribal Contractors Council, a.k.a. MNTCC, the show that is designed to be the source of information about industry job opportunities, success stories, trainings, and upcoming projects for Native Americans. We also share about our culture and language because it is the foundation of our identities. Oh. Uh, welcome to the Middle of the Res Road podcast. I am one of the hosts. My name is Joel, and I'm here with Charlie, another one of our hosts. And today we have in the podcast room um, members from the Elite Company, um, Kurt and Jennifer. Um, if you would just like to give us a little lowdown on um, a little bit of your history with Elite. Joel, thank you. Yeah, this is Kurt Anderson, and uh, I've been with Elite or Minnesota Power, as most folks uh, know the company around here for, I would say, about 15 years, uh, closing in on 16 years. And uh, I came, uh, I came to Elite uh, uh, in the water uh, department, uh, the water compliance area. Um, previous to that, I had been working at an environmental testing laboratory. So I graduated with a degree in biology from University of Minnesota Duluth. Uh, so a local boy. Grew up in Brookston, um, still within a few miles of where I grew up, and a uh, great opportunity to uh, join Elite came about. I, I was really interested in it, and <laughs> since that time, I've taken on a bunch of different roles, uh, and now lead our um, environmental and land management group for the company. That's impressive. Impressive, Kurt. That's a good resume right there. And you're local. That's, you know, my hat's off to you. And Jennifer... Yes. First, thank you so much for having us here today. Uh, my name is Jennifer Cady. I'm the Director of Regulatory Affairs at Minnesota Power. Um, I kind of had a non-traditional way of coming into the company. I served in the military for 20 years. Um, I grew up on the Iron Range and then came back to Duluth um, after my military service and joined Minnesota Power about almost 12 years ago. Um, so now I lead the area of our company that works directly with the Minnesota Public Utilities Commission. We're regulated by the state of Minnesota, and so our team works on approvals for all kinds of things, new project, long-term plans, um, almost any aspect of our business. So that's what I do at MP most days. Hey, Jennifer, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What branch did you serve in? So I was in the active duty army first, um, and then I transitioned to the Air Force National Guard. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. I come yeah. from a long line of veterans. My dad was a uh, in the Marines, Vietnam. Mm -hmm. My grandfather, he was in Korea, Marines. My grandfather on my mom's side, same thing. Um, Just a long list of military. Lots of Marines. Background. Yeah. Yeah, Semper Fi. Semper Fi. And I won't say what they say about Army. That's okay. I've heard There's it There's an all. acronym. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. I know them this all. Guy, <laughs> <this guy>. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite thing about the Army? Uh, people, for sure. I mean, I feel like one of the great blessings of the military is you, it's, a, it's like a true melting pot, right? You get to meet people from all parts of the country, all walks of life, all kinds of different backgrounds. 
um, and then you get put together in this kind of shared hardship situation, and that bonds people like nothing else. So I don't think you can replicate that many other places. Do you rock the veteran stuff? I don't. Why not? I have a little complicated feelings about that. You have what Can you explain that? Yeah. Before we get into some of these <laughs> questions. I mean, I, I just, uh, like, I don't feel like bragging. You know what I mean? Or I'd, I don't know. I just feel like it's too much attention on my service, it feels like. So I, I don't have, like, the license plate, right, or, like, decals on my car or anything like I, that. I think that's one of the best things to be proud of. Yeah. I like, like I, I thank you for your service. Well, that's, you. you know, 20 years is a long time it to dedicate time. your life to something that you really enjoyed doing. Yeah. And uh, that's something to be proud of. I'd wear it for you if I could. Uh, well, I'll send you something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that but sounds good. Yeah. My dad didn't wear anything military-related until 1992 mm. when he got his first Vietnam vet hat. Wow. Otherwise, up until 1992, you know, he felt the same way. Yeah. And then it was completely different. He got spit on when he came back and right. all of that. So. He had a hard experience For coming sure. home. I w- most Vietnam-era vets did. Kurt, can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> I lived in Brookston, too. So did you hunt in Brookston? Do you hunt in Brookston? I do. Uh, where Whereabouts? So uh, I grew up on McCamus Road, which is just west of Brookston. Um, and I actually live just uh, a couple mile, miles farther west than that now. So That's that's the that's my one of my favorite parts to hunt off of you say McCamus McCamus road I always say McCamus I don't know I don't know I actually don't know how that road's pronounced but McCamus road I love that love the hunting territory back there it's just one of a kind there's nothing like it in in the area it's definitely the best hunting I've really enjoyed it out there it's uh it's got uh Kind of a good combination of good good habitat. You know, the river is right there. You have uh, kind of a diversified mix of uh, different tree species. So you've got some, you know, maple trees for tapping, and you've got, you know, some aspen for grouse hunting. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a good place. Should we dive into these questions? Yes, <laughs> let's dive right in. Well, they kind of told us a little bit about their roles with the company. So what are some opportunities and challenges the company is facing. Well, I can start out, and uh, Jennifer, I'm sure, will have her thoughts to add. But you know, we were we were talking a little bit earlier just about you know energy prices, and they continue to increase, and you know the challenges that has. You know, that's part of the I think overall you know kind of the situation a lot of utilities and energy companies are in right now as we drive towards more renewables is, uh, you know, to bring those online and to do that in a cost-effective way without sacrificing reliability and affordability, um, that's a tall task. And uh, so it's doable, you know, and I think we've made great strides at Minnesota Power. We've uh, achieved 50% renewable energy, um, which when I came there 15 years ago, I think we were 5%, Jennifer. Mm-hmm like that um so we've come a long way we got a long way to go yet um but it's that balance i think trying to find that balance you know how do we transition to a lower carbon energy supply how do we do that uh you know and still make sure the lights are on when we need them um and how do we you know a lot of these new 
projects uh, that we're doing, whether it's a, a solar facility or a wind facility or siting a new transmission line, there's a lot of land that's needed to do that. So a lot of land rights that are needed um, and, uh, you know, trying to balance that impact as well. So those are both opportunities and challenges. It seems like they're always kind of bundled together. But I would say that's that's some of it. And then increasing, uh, like, uh, expectations from society on how we make that transition. It's uh, it, There's a lot of outreach. Uh, there's a lot of different opinions out there. And how do you try to you know, engage with all those folks and do so in, a, in an authentic way um, while still moving the ball forward on, on this transition. How often does the company look at what other countries or what other states are doing? Constantly, <laughs> we do. Um, I would say, as just to echo what Kurt said, you can't um, understate how much of a historic transition we're in the middle of, right? So it took a hundred years for us to electrify America and bring electric service to every home and farm. And now we're trying to kind of redesign the way we deliver that power um, in the midst of climate change, right? To do it in a different way that mitigates impact on the climate. But we recognize it's an essential service, right? That everybody, what unites everybody is we all have a power bill, right? And uh, nobody likes to pay it, but we all certainly, you know, appreciate the service, especially when it's not there. So we're kind of constantly looking at what other states are doing, what other countries are doing, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, And I think that's where the opportunity is, is that, you know, we have this challenge to kind of reimagine how we're going to deliver power in the future um, and the challenge is getting it right. Is there anything that personally like if you do you guys personally look at what other countries are doing like once in a while or look at uh, personally just you two like you maybe we should try this and then how does that go like how do you push that forward in the organization I'm, I'm sure Minnesota Power is huge a huge organization so where do you funnel all that information yeah that's that's great question you know we've we do i think uh, jennifer and i both do look personally and and then as part of larger groups we try to understand what's going on what's been adopted elsewhere what has worked what hasn't uh personally you know i've been working on a project uh, uh on some decarbonization options that are more prevalent in europe than they are in the united states and i think we have just this incredible structure at Minnesota Power at Elite uh, with our strategy groups and steering committees where it doesn't have to be, you know, Jennifer or myself as directors coming in and bringing in uh, these ideas, you know, pretty much anybody can come forward and say, hey, here's something that might fit for us. How should we evaluate that? And so we have these, you know, strategy groups that are set up to sort of do an initial vetting of it. Hey, does this, uh, does this hold water or not? Can we, can we move it forward? You know, hey, you know, maybe Maybe operationally that could work. Let's look at the economics here. We have an obligation to serve our customers in a cost-effective way. Does that work? How is it going to fit within our overall strategy? And, you know, at times that can make it all the way to the, the top of the organization and the board of directors. Other times it might uh, it might only make it through and up to the first level or so and say, hey, not a good idea, but not quite ready yet. Um, we like to, when we can, fail fast. Uh, we don't want to spend a lot of time and resources chasing after something that isn't going to serve our, our customers, but uh, you know it, that external sensing piece is something I think we've we've done really well, and we've really tried to make sure that all the employees 
feel like you know they can bring forward ideas because it's going to take all of us to transition. I really appreciate that because I like studying organizations and how they work. It's just I ask like asking questions like that, and then knowing that you guys do like a I don't know a shooting squad on your idea, and then hit that idea as many times as you can and see if it's a really good idea, and then roll in with it. Yeah, I we appreciate that. We always say um, if someone has a question in inside the company about something, you know, it's for sure a question someone outside would have. So let's let's figure it out, right? Let's hear the question. Let's challenge it a little bit, because the more I think we do that internally, the better project we have to bring forward, right? We have this saying at Minnesota Power that we're kind of a um, big company, but a small company feel. And we have a lot of people that stay with the company for a long time, you know, 20, 30 years even. Um, and so I think that that builds a really nice um, culture of camaraderie where you can pitch some ideas and, you know, stop by Kurt's office and say, this, this might be a little crazy, but <laughs> what do you think of this? And I think that's really helpful. Who's your dream killer on the team? Everybody has a dream killer. I mean, aren't they always the lawyers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <For real. laughs> Just yeah no offense to our lawyers who are great the, at mitigating Yeah, risk. the, 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 rea- the reality, reality breaker. <laughs> you know, that's what it is, too. Come on back. <laughs> Come on back. At work, my brother is, is my dream killer. I have a million ideas on how we can save the language or what we can do yeah. next or anything and and then some and I'm I'm supposed to be the team leader so my team ends up making all these ideas we put it on the board and then my brother comes back and he checks us and he's like this is doable this I don't think this is going to work so we shoot down ideas all the time and I've kind of got used to it like before I used to feel like man this is a really good one and then we just shoot down the ideas or you know throw whatever we can at the idea to see if it's actually good so I appreciate you sharing that I mean it was just just how how I've come to learn how to work within bigger organizations and sometimes the idea is not bad it's just the wrong time right so sometimes it'll be like hang on to that one for a little bit and it you know It'll come back when it's the right time for it. Yeah, when everybody forgets about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, can you explain how Elite views tribal relations and why the company created these tribal liaison roles? I can, I can start. So okay. I don't know if Jennifer and I uh, mentioned this already, but we have distinct tribal liaison roles. So I'm the tribal liaison for Leech Lake, and Jennifer is for Fond du Lac. Um, but we both participate uh, pretty heavily with uh, different meetings and outcomes. But, you know, really I think one of the reasons we as a, as a company decided to create these roles was, uh, you know, the recognition that we are operating Within the ceded territories, uh, we have uh, utility service on the reservation, both Leech Lake and Fond du Lac, and we have many different interfaces with uh, our, the tribal nations that we serve. Um, it could be billing, it could be you know, policy issues, um, it could be a, a wide variety. And you know, some of the feedback that that we had heard uh, is that um, with so many different areas of Minnesota Power that uh, 
tribes are, are working with, it would be nice to have a, a single point of contact and, and, and preferably somebody who, who, who knew a little bit about how the tribe functioned, how the tribal government worked, uh, some of the history. Um, so there wasn't, you know, starting over from scratch with a new person every time. So we had a very, uh, I think, thoughtful, uh, and uh, it, took us, it took us some time, um, a very thoughtful process to who, how were we going to do, what was this role going to do, what was this role not going to do or not going to be, um, and who was going to do it, and how was that person or persons going to be supported. Uh, but, and that was really sort of the genesis here is that we heard, and, you know, I would say, you know, for customers, that's, we always want to be, available and we want to be responsive to the needs and there was some you know i would say unique and interesting needs uh from from the tribal nations and we wanted to make sure that we were serving those customers the right way and i just add that you know the first part of the question how does elite view tribal relations it is um one of the most important priorities for our chief executive officer our ceo bethany owen um that we kind of do things the right way and engage respectfully and recognize the sovereign status of um, the nations that we serve. And so that makes our job a whole lot easier <laughs> because the, the CEO says this is important and, and we need to do it right and we need to provide um, service in the way that our tribal nations want, want to be served. How do you think that the world is going to change? As, as because I know tribal liaisons, it's it's like a new thing for a bunch of co- companies, and it's a new thing for even the state. The state itself has a whole bunch of tribal liaisons now. So how do you view? How do you think that world is going to morph as time goes on? I guess I can tell you how I I hope it evolves. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I think we've spent quite a bit of time here just building a, a good base relationship and a good understanding of what our different priorities are over these past few years. Um, I think we, we, we know each other a lot better. And I, I, I'm hopeful that as things go on, we're going to be getting more into um, the opportunity side of this uh, and the synergies we might be able to uh, achieve together. There's a lot of uh, aligned uh, interests between what we're trying to do as a company, uh, how we feel personally about protecting the environment and, and you know, making sure that we have a, a good economy. There's a lot of alignment with the tribal nations. It's not, you know, 100%. There's never going to be between two groups 100% alignment. But I, I think the more we get to know each other, the more conversations we have, the more clear it becomes that there's really going to be some interesting opportunities to work together and to further the understanding uh across you know across our company of what those priorities are and get more people thinking about it and bringing more creative ideas forward like we were just talking about i think that's the hope and the goal and i i do feel like we're moving toward that direction how did the is there was there any growing pains in the beginning with building that relationship like how did that look i think we're still building the relationship I don't it's I definitely don't think it's um kind of a check the box okay we're good now right we we assigned a tribal liaison we're done it's not that at all I think it's a it's a continuously hopefully improving relationship I think we recognized um at least I'll speak on behalf of our relationship with Fond du Lac we recognized that we had a lot of 
retirements on the Minnesota power side, right, as the workforce transition. And there was a lot of frustration um, within people that worked um, at Fond du Lac in different parts of the staff. Like, you know, I, I used to talk to this person and they're gone now and I don't know who to call. And so I feel like that was an initial growing pain. Like, okay, that's why we need someone who can at least be the point of contact and find the right people. Um, so I think that was like the first hurdle that we had to get over. Um, and I, I feel good about where we're at there, but it's, it's definitely something that we're constantly working on making better. Evolving. Always. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Evolving yeah. just kind of with the times change. Mm-hmm. So the ideas change and, um, the relationship changes. For sure. What is Elite Tribal Liaison doing to educate employees and customers about the importance of tribal relations? Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's been uh, something we've been asking ourselves as we were creating these roles and you know trying to align, making sure that not only you know Jennifer, myself, and uh, you know a few other folks at Elite were were knowledgeable and up to speed, but really all of our employees and making sure, especially those employees who are interacting with the different tribal entities and. Uh, it was a, uh, it was something we we certainly recognized we didn't have the answers ourselves, and uh, you know that was something that we were both both Jennifer and I and and others said you know this is something where we're going to need to bring in uh, someone or someone else's <laughs> uh, perspective on these issues, and so we were able to work uh, with our uh, executive team and and bring in uh, Tad Johnson and Joseph Bauerkemper uh, and, and do some tribal training. Um, and it was, it was, uh, I think, a little different than what people maybe would have anticipated. Um, there was a lot of attendance. There was a lot of interest at Elite. I can't remember, Jennifer, how many people we had. Yeah, it was. I think it was over 100 employees that voluntarily signed up to spend two full days um, learning, really, is, is what it was. And I think what was really unique, um, Tad and Joseph worked for the University of Minnesota, which is who we invited in. But... Uh, we started with history uh, because you, Kurt and I recognize that before you try to jump into learning about the culture, learning about where we're at today, it's our responsibility to educate ourselves on history and sovereignty and, and what does that mean. And so that was the training that we brought back to our company Um and I think that's what Kurt meant when he said some people were surprised about where we started thinking it was going to be something different. But um, I think we all learned a great deal and it, we got really positive reviews from our employees. I agree. Uh, the, you know, the foundation that, that Tad and Joseph brought in, the foundational understanding of, of what it means to uh, when the United States entered into a treaty, uh, what rights were reserved by the tribe that they weren't, uh, you know, given anything. These were reserved rights, the sovereign status of that nation. That's really, I think, was like the foundation and the underpinning of we need to think about this a different way. We need to understand what the actual history is and start from there and work work our way towards, you know, these other things that we want to get to. And as Jennifer said, it was... I think it was two almost eight-hour days, and we had everybody, including our CEO, stick it out the whole time and ask great questions, and we're super engaged. Um, I think the one resounding question or comment we, we received from many employees as we did a post-survey was, what, we want more. 
what, what, what can we do next? So uh, I think we were very happy with how the training turned out, but even more pleased just by how interested everyone was and how engaged they were. And that was actually something we saw such value in that we brought in uh, some of our uh, large power customers, and we had almost, a, <laughs> almost as many folks from that, so all of our customers that we serve um, and provided them with a similar training to help them with their tribal relation roles. So most people don't realize that Minnesota Power is one of the most unique utilities in the country because we serve all of the big industries on the Iron Range. So all of the mining operations, paper mills, and we invited all of those customers to come and sit through the same training that our employees did. And they did. <laughs> they they all came and I think learned a lot. And we were just really uh, grateful for the opportunity to be able to share what we learned with, with others. Do you guys ever go back? Or is there plans to do, um, to look at the training again or every so often? I think it's probably going to be a, a, a regular piece of, of how we do our business. We have a a pretty broad training and education program internally at Elite. And I think this is probably going to end up being just part of how, you know, like new employees are onboarded and educated and trained on how we, how we view these relationships. So, um, and we, we know there's probably going to, it's going to evolve again. They're going to have different, different things that we're going to need to, you know, educate ourselves on and get trained on, but it's, it's recorded and uh, it is available for all employees to watch and, and people are watching it, and they're and they're, it's it's really I think uh, it's been a very good thing to see, just that level of awareness get raised up uh, across the company. I like that. I really like that. That um, and you probably both see different sides of it since you're with Cass uh, Leech Lake, mm-hmm. and you're with Fond du Lac, so you probably you know like get a little bit different uh, views of it. Mm-hmm. So so do you both bring those views together, and kind of present them that way. Or, you, you know, you take views from other tribes in Minnesota and, and kind of just put them all together? Or, you know, like when you're doing those trainings, it's like, um, are, are you actually, you know, like getting the different views from the different reservations, different needs from the different reservations? Because I know you probably got people working with every tribe. Mm-hmm. Well, that I mean, that's such a good point. And one of the foundational values that we understand is that each tribal nation is unique, right? Uh, And one mistake that we see sometimes is, you know, people will lump them all together or say, you know, this is, these are the priorities of, you know, the tribal nations in Minnesota. Well, we, we understand that each nation has its, its own priorities. And so we are very careful um, to say, you know, this is, this is, you know, what Leech Lake, um, as an example, thinks about this, but we don't assume that that's what everybody else thinks. And that's a lesson, you know, that Kurt and I have learned and that we share with everyone in our organization as well in terms of how, how we think about tribal relations. And I'd also add, you know, in addition to sort of the priorities, mm-hmm. it's just how, how the different tribes prefer to do business, whether it's... Uh, you know, are you going to coordinate with the the uh, reservation business committee, or is it going to be with the the sta- natural resource staff first, and then, and that's different from from uh, you know Leech Lake to Fond du Lac. They have different ways of doing business. So, 
that's part of the learning curve too is, you know, not, not only how do we engage broadly, but how do we, you know, schedule a meeting? How do we, how do we arrange that? And so it's, it's, when you have the relationship, you can work through those pretty easily, but that's certainly something, you know, others who are maybe setting up these roles should really consider and think about because it wasn't a priority focus area for us when we came into these roles. And then we've learned as, as we've come along that, nope, it's just like, uh, you know, if, when we deal with uh, uh, a, a customer, one customer might have a very different way of dealing with an issue and want different people in the room than a different company. And with tribal nations, with the government aspect that's even you know elevated beyond beyond that kind of interactions yeah i understand that and then um so i'm thinking about this as you're talking um so tribes so tribes you know on elect we have our election every four years and then it's it's staggered so every two years there's there's an election and agendas change and priorities change and you know depending on whoever wins the election do you ever force uh, on on my end speaking as a tribal member i would think that you know we have to do some some good strategic planning so that these pieces are always in place so that priorities don't usually don't tend to shift too dramatically they're going to shift no matter what depending on whoever gets in there but for overall like working with a company like Elite or um, the state of Minnesota or Enbridge or any any one of them, I would have I would think that strategic planning on our end would have to be one of the key things that would have to happen because Elite, you guys are an organization, you guys been in an organization, you guys you got that st- stability, and you got that you got your goals set and you got your goals stated already, so. Mm-hmm. Do you foresee being two tribal liaisons? Would you do you ever see has elections happened? Yes. Yet? Since you mm-hmm. has any of that shifted at all? You know, I, I'll speak on um, from my perspective working with Fond du Lac. I think Fond du Lac has such a ambitious and kind of clear goals in terms of environmental stewardship and. Um, positive things that you're doing for the climate that that hasn't really changed with elections but one thing we try to do is we'll schedule a couple meetings a year with our CEO and our senior leaders in the tribal council and you know we that agenda is kind of fluid it's like what do we feel like we need to talk about at that time but just that engagement um, as council members turn over or there's new faces you know we just want to remind the council that we're here and you know we're happy to to meet anytime and try to build those new relationships as new people um join the government so that's one way we try to get at that is again that senior level meeting a couple times a year and then we have far more frequent um meetings on day-to-day business right like um is there a power outage at the casino or is there, um, you know, a billing problem we have to look at? And so we kind of try to work with the staff and the council at different levels um, as frequently as it makes sense for them. But I, I think that that regular engagement is really important. And exactly what you said about strategic planning, um, Minnesota Power has been around since 1906. We're not going anywhere. We've got 
we have a long-term vision and Fond du Lac has a long-term vision. And so being able to work together to find those opportunities um, is important. I think you're right on that strategic planning is a, is an important part of that. Yeah. The, the uh, relationship with Leech Lake is, I think, reflective of the differences that we have. So Minnesota Power serves about half of the Fond du Lac reservation uh, with electric power. Um, the uh, Leech Lake has a, uh, there's a, there's a couple overlaps with what we call our service territory, which is where we're allowed to uh, provide uh, energy. But um, we don't have the same kind of overlap at Leech Lake that we do. But what we do have out at Leech Lake is our largest um, thermal generating facility, the Boswell Energy Center, is located about a mile from the reservation border. And so when it comes to, you know, discussions around natural resources, whether it's timber or it's wild rice or it's climate mercury, whatever the case may be, um, there's a lot of interaction uh, be- because of the proximity. And um, so so that's that's reflected in the relationship we have, which to this point has been mostly with staff, uh, with their experts on what, whatever the topic might be, whether it's an environmental issue, a land issue, or a conservation issue. Um, that's been most of the relationship we've had to date. What do you think about the Fauna Lac Estuary Project? The wild rice, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a great project if they can if they can get the rice to grow down there. I understand they're having some issues with geese and and a few other things, and you know that's that's one of the things that a task force that I was working on identified was the pollution. You know, the dose makes the poison always, right? You're going to have some level that's going to affect wild rice like any other living thing. There's also all these other things that are going on, like geese depredation there's i mean think of all the uh motor boats that are out there right now and the and the waves and the changes in climate and all these different things that are also shoreline development all these different things are are affecting it is there a way to make sure that we as a state want to protect this incredibly important resource is there a way that we can make sure that we do that and get the most bang for our buck so that's I think that's where we got really close uh, to a to a sort of a triage approach where we could have said, "Hey, the number one issue here is that there's a lot of wave action from jet skis." I'll throw that one out there. That that's what's causing the issue here. This other spot, it's actually no. This is being caused by industrial runoff or something like that. You know that, that we need to concentrate there rather than just sort of a one size fits all approach. So I hope we get back to that approach. Um, it's it would make a lot of sense for wild rice restoration and protection, but we'll see. You just kind of answered all the questions on, on this paper, but <laughs> indirectly, you know. So that that's kind of nice, you know. So um, what I wanted to do is I kind of wanted to ask you a personal question. Um, so say some of our viewers are you know like some you know maybe even our youth you know like want to want to get interested in and want to try to find resources um on pathways to get into elite or get into a position with the elite company you know how would they go about that you know maybe to get a tribal liaison job or try you know even just try to get their foot in the door how would they go about that yeah i can i can give a shot uh yeah i mean I think that would be one of those shared uh, opportunities or synergies we'd also, we'd love, you know, we at Elite and under 
the you know direction of our leadership and how we feel about it personally would would love to have uh, some of those experiences and uh, and some of that knowledge come into elite we're always looking for new fresh faces that can give us some new perspective we routinely uh, do you know post job openings um, for uh, you know interns full-time positions um, I've got a few uh, positions in my group this summer every summer we hire four uh, uh, four people usually college students or high school graduates that work on our hydropower reservoirs so they work on the recreation sites the campsites they do some mowing um, they do some work on the boat ramps um, so we, we always are encouraging folks to apply for those positions um, and uh, and then we you know we, we are typically hiring all across the company um, Anywhere from a intern to a you know mid-level career specialist, um, so I, I would say you know really uh, there's no secret sauce or special formula. It's uh, you know think about where you might want to uh, what you might want to work in, and we I think there's some pretty good resources out there like what the education requirements would be and and what the experience rec- uh, requirements would be. But it's it's a pretty we we really like the idea of opening up the space you know kind of at the entry level to a wide variety, you know, not make the bar so high so people can get in and then take advantage of some of those education opportunities and training opportunities that the company provides. Companies are people too, right? And so I think um, one of the very best things to do is, is if you're interested in a company, find someone who works there and don't be afraid to cold call even. You know, one of my first kind of introductions to Minnesota Power was somebody at the military base I was working with knew somebody at Minnesota Power and said, talk to this person. I didn't know them. They didn't know me, but I was looking for a job, right? And so I think building those connections, even if it feels weird, um, often will lead to something, you know, maybe not right away, but that's helpful. Finding someone who can talk to you a little bit more about the company and what you, what you'd be interested in. Um, And I wanted to share too, that we've been doing some work with the tribal uh, colleges to kind of highlight opportunities. So we just built a big solar array um, in Duluth. We built one out by Brainerd um, and we partnered with some tribal colleges to get students to come out and visit while it was being constructed. So like see what, see what this looks like, how it gets, um, you know, developed and constructed and, and hopefully pique some people's interests in different career fields. I had a question about the tribal liaison role. Do you guys ever share the job opportunities with the tribes that you work with? Every one of our um, job postings gets shared with uh, the tribes um, and, and the colleges too. So we'll sh- we do share that. Sometimes more than once. So our, our HR department might have a, an HR liaison at Fond du Lac or Leech Lake that it's shared, but... You know, for example, if I have a, a environmental or a land opening in my group, I, I reach out directly to the folks I work with, either at Fond du Lac or, or Leech Lake, and say, hey, you know, if you know anybody who's interested, uh, we got these job job openings coming up and encourage uh, qualified folks to apply. Does that ever make it onto their websites? Do you know? Onto the, like, the Fond du Lac website? Fond du Lac, Leech Lake, I don't. Sport. I don't know that question. I don't know the answer to that. I was just wondering because I asked because so 
I've I've just ne- I don't know if I've seen a, seen the opportunities funnel in, and maybe there's a disconnect there that I could try try to help out with because that would be an awesome opportunity for some of these tribal members to check out to get involved with. For sure, and we're always open to, you know, there are better ways to do things. We are all ears and um, would would gladly like to to do things in a better way if there are other ideas too. I really like that, like uh, how you talked about training opportunities, you know, and and that's something, you know, people need to hear. I mean, if they can get their foot in the door and, you know, like make an effort to, you know, like cold call, like you said, or just to make a resume and put it in and um, say once you get the call and they, they accept you and you don't know nothing about it, but, you know, you have a high school diploma or, you know, like some of that. Do you have an apprenticeship program that people could actually strive for and, and you know, like where the elite company would actually train them? We, one of our solar projects, we built a big solar farm outside of Brainerd and we partnered with, with um, the White Earth Tribal College out there and something really cool happened. So... They had, I think it, I don't remember what their course was called. It was like, it was some sort of renewable energy kind of course, right? And the students in that course came out and uh, spent days on the construction site, kind of learning how, how it was built. And at the end of that project, our general contractor, Hunt Electric, offered um, apprenticeships to all of those students. Um and I, I can't say what happened from there, you know, if they took it, if they, um, you know, ran with that opportunity or if it was even an opportunity they wanted. But I think those kind of connections are so valuable, right? So it wasn't even like Minnesota Power offering them this job, but, you know, our general contractor saw these students and was like, come work with us. And I think connections are kind of the source of, of so much good um, and the more we can build upon those, the better, I think. What, um, I, I had a question thinking about the apprenticeships. And then bef- kind of everything that you guys were saying before, uh, what do you do, what does the company do to give back? Yeah, so we give back in a number of ways. Maybe I'll start and then, Kurt, you can add, uh, add to it. But we have our own foundation, Minnesota Power Foundation, Um and I don't have the numbers on top of my head, I probably should have, that gives money back to the community every year. And that, um, the foundation's focus has shifted um, over the last several years, and we do things like offer scholarships. We um, support things like the American Indian Community Housing Organization, um, other nonprofits in the area that are doing really good work. And so that's one way we give back. Um, through our foundation kind of monetarily. But I'd say, you know, another saying at Minnesota Power is we give back with our time, talent, and our treasure. So, you know, the foundation dollars are one piece, but our employees are also uh, very active in the community, volunteering their time, volunteering their talent. And we're always kind of keeping an eye out for where it makes sense for us to engage too. So one of the follow-ups that Kurt was referencing after we did this tribal training, we had a lot of employees saying, um, you know, my role at the company isn't as a tribal liaison, but 
I want to be involved in some way. And is there, is there some, is there an effort that I can help with? Is there something else for me to do? So I think we're always kind of on the lookout for opportunities for employees to engage too, and would welcome those ideas as they come. Yeah. You know, and, I think some of the other other ways that the company has been given back, I'll, I'll focus on a couple environmental and, and land issues. So um, about six or seven years ago, we had a chance to, we own about, Minnesota Power, Power owns about 30,000 acres of land. And a lot of that is forested. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely recognize that, you know, the, the, the forests underwent a dramatic change with the logging operations that happened over 100 years ago. And we've seen that, uh, since the the big white pine and the red pine were, were cut down, that you know what we've seen come back has been more of you know the aspen and the balsam fir. So it, the the ecological balance sort of got out of whack there, and so we had an opportunity uh, with our forestry plan. We could kind of continue on with what I call kind of the standard model of you know let the aspen regenerate and, and harvest again, and after so many years, and just let it get pretty much, you know, like a, like a put and take fishery. Right. So, um, but, or we could do something different and, or we could do something that was reflective of the way the region was and what might provide ecological value and aesthetic value. So we made a commitment to restore, uh, 3 million white, red and jack pine on our lands and over 10 years. So there'll be a few thousand there that we'll be able to give away and, uh, you know, help, help spread the, uh, spread the, the, the pines around a little bit more even. Appreciate that. Yes, that is amazing. That's awesome work and, and to give back and stuff like that to the communities and just the surrounding areas, you know, and just giving back life. That's what I'd say, you know, I mean, that's what planting trees is actually doing is giving back life. Um, I think we're just almost getting low on time here. No, I really appreciate you guys coming on here. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you both very much. This is good. Good conversation. You should really be doing this like for a full time gig. You you have like the voice for it. a podcast voice. Yeah, yeah you really you do. do. You really do. You put us to shame. So yeah. Well, thank you guys but, for being such gracious hosts. That helps a lot. All right, sana in that in Ojibwe that means take care. Aho, gigawabamen. Aho, minawa. <laughs>